Howdy and welcome to Love Letters, a podcast about the games, shows, and movies most important to us. I'm your host, Jesse Munro, and in this episode I'm joined by a very special guest. Well, actually a few, because this is our 2023 Love Letters Awards. Yes, it's the first Love Letters Awards, and I have sat down with a bunch of Love Letters favorites to discuss the media that appealed to them most this year. Um, we've got a few kind of long-form discussions, uh, and sprinkled in between liberally, uh, a few uh, a few f- listeners, first-time callers, long-time listeners, uh, who have uh, also shared their thoughts. So thank you very much for everyone who sent in uh, a little clip of themselves. Stick around to the end, uh, where we'll be discussing and awarding our TV show of the year, our film of the year, and the highly coveted game of the year award. But uh, let's kick it off. Enjoy. And next up, we have a very special guest coming to us from three hours in the past. It's the Brit who can roll a crit. Simon Evans, how you doing? I'm doing very well. That was a great one. I love that. Use your imagination. It almost had another line in it, but I thought I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it a little bit PG. <laughs> and I won't, I won't <laughs> That's wait the first. I know. I've changed. It, look, 2023 has been a year of growth. Mm, definitely. Definitely. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing doing pretty good. Uh, very excited for uh, at the time of recording my trip to Japan. I leave in literally just two days. Like How this time, uh, I'm gone for three and a half weeks. That's the best. I don't time, come man. back until like almost halfway through January. So this will come out probably in your first week um, <sighs> of being in Japan. Oh, so, yeah, about ten days into you being in Japan. So where do you think you'll be in ten days? Uh, all right, so 10 days from now, because um, I'll be just before New Year's, so I'll be in Osaka. Oh, Osaka, one of my favorite places. Uh, so, yeah, I'm on, I think it's Boxing Day or the day after Boxing Day, we go from Kyoto to Osaka, so we'll be just starting our Osaka leg uh, with effort. We're in Osaka for about a week, um, yeah. doing USJ, booked in Super Nintendo world which i'm very happy about okay i need a full report of super nintendo world but oh yeah please please ride the spider-man 4d ride so when soph went soph and i went we've been there twice together mm. and every time we've gone to universal studios we've lined up for the spider-man 4 um 4d ride whatever it's called multiple times <laughs> it's my favorite ride ever oh, shit okay uh, so please i want to hear your thoughts on it. it's very, very cool but also Osaka, you know how they always say, like, oh, city that never sleeps. Osaka is a city that never sleeps. They have, uh, like, shopping complexes that are open at 2 a.m. And it feels like the middle of the day. The nightlife there is amazing, especially awesome. the food. Like, there's, like, night food markets. Oh, fuck yeah. You, you will forget how to sleep and you'll be fine with it. Osaka is See, like, amazing. Well, that's, that's kind of the thing. Like, that's why I was like, oh, I want to be in Osaka for New Year's. Because I know Osaka parties pretty fucking yes. hard. Yeah. So that was the thing. I was like, I want that. This is going to be good. And I want us to be able to go all night if we want to. Or, you know, maybe not if we wanted to take it easy. I was like, Osaka, I feel like it's probably the best best spot for that. Plus all the food. All of the, like, because obviously Osaka sort of like the more youthful, I guess, youth-centric city. Um, so I was like, yeah, you know, like, they'll be way more foreigner-friendly, especially on New Year's, where they'll oh, be... Yeah. They'll be like, oh, yeah, let's fucking drink with these foreigners. This will be great. Hells, so. yeah. Just please, every time you go to a book off 
Every time you see a book off, go inside. Every time I'm going you see in- Yodabashi, go inside. I'm going inside every hobby off as well, just in case. Oh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very jealous of you. But we do have other things to concern ourselves with. It's the time of the year where we're talking about our highs, fuck the lows, of 2023. And you've brought to us a game and a film. What do you want to start with? Uh, I feel like we should start with the with the game. The game, very, very good choice. Your game of the year is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Simon, what made this game so special for you? So Breath of the Wild was what I consider a very unique game in the sense that, I mean, obviously it was unique for a Zelda game, but it also sort of helped reinvent the open world wheel. Uh, the way you interacted with the world was really fun. There was lots of clever stuff you could do, and some of those interactions were really, really good. But it always felt like there could have been a little bit more. And Tears of the Kingdom has just gone, yeah, all right, then you want more? Well, here's everything. You want to you wanna build a jetpack? Here's a jetpack. You want to build a attack helicopter? Here's a fucking attack helicopter. Here you go. You're all of the pieces. This is an entire Lego set of every shape, size, color, dimension, anything you could possibly want. Here it all is. Go for it. I never said you couldn't do it. Just go. It's so, like, we've discussed Breath of the Wild and how it's a perfect game. We've discussed this for years. And when you thought of a sequel before Tears of the Kingdom came out, you're like, how do you improve on perfection? And in all the different ideas and schemes we came up with, having a fully, like, oh, a full Lego kit, basically, in the game, like you said, with an extremely good physics engine was Mm. never something I thought of. And it works so well. Ah, dangerously well that's that's it like and the game itself is a bit deeper um in more ways than one compared to breath of the wild so you know very mild spoilers if you haven't played tears of the kingdom for some reason and that is you have the sky islands you have hyrule and then you've got underneath you've got uh like the the subterranean yeah the labyrinth that is everything in the depths and it is fun it's challenging it's a little bit intimidating at first uh but it is also really good at just sort of making everything feel within reach i i think it's sort of like the best way i can i can explain it it's like yeah there are times when like oh you run shy of resources or you're, you're running low on weapons and stuff but you make a five minute trip to the depths and you come out with six brand new weapons another four bomb flowers and two extra bows but absolutely zero of those light bulbs. Yeah, they're all gone. <laughs> I, I, I've I, got I can't thousands. Be, I've got literally so thousands. So you're smart. I would be like, I just need 20. I'm fine. And then because I'm stubborn, I'll get lost in the depths and be like, I'll just keep walking in the dark. If I hit a wall, <laughs> I'll just walk, like, I'll go left or right. And, you know, naturally you're attracted to light. I guess I'm part moth. Yeah, you are. And whenever you see light in the depth that isn't sort of light that you're emitting, it's an enemy. So I used to get myself yeah. a, bit of, a bit of trouble with that. It's quite cool. At the moment, Sophie's playing through it. She hasn't finished it yet. Um, she's getting every single inch of that game out. <laughs> and it's really cool. Like, she's speaking about it. I'm just, like, reliving it all. It's going to take me a while to, like, replay it again to properly oh, yeah. appreciate it. But I, I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's it. you had a very climactic finale to that game, didn't you? Nice, nice little challenge for yourself. Don't even get me started. Look, if you if if you're listening to this and you want to know about my ordeals, please go back and listen to some story mode gaming podcast because I did have a lot of trouble at the end because of um. Look, I'll say it, poor game design, but 
me, I am an absolute soldier. And I got through it. I, I would say that's one of my best gaming moments ever because having yeah, to finish the final fight be. without being hit, what are we going to say? Pro Absolute, gamer. Absolutely incredible. But then also, that's one of the things that I love about this game is the finale, just the beautiful, climax. Because beautiful. it's like, it's like, oh, wow, there's, there's like a nice big build up to it. And you're, like, you're really feeling it. You're like, oh, this is, this is great. I really feel the, the intensity of the situation and like, oh, this is Man, this is going to be hard as nails. And then you get to the final boss and you do phase one and you're like, that wasn't too bad. That was all right. And then the second phase starts and the health bar thing happens and you're like, oh, yep. no. Yep. And then you try and attack and he does the thing and you're like, oh, oh, no, oh, no. And, and then you manage to whittle him down and then it goes from there and just, ah. Oh. One of the very few complaints I had about Breath of the Wild was that final battle. I found it a little oh, yeah. bit bland. They it was absolutely flipped the switch on this one. It was great. And yes, the story beats at the end, though they were predictable. Like, you get to a point, oh. like, okay, I, I know what's yeah. going to happen here. But the way it was done was so, it was stunning. It was absolutely stunning. It was a bit of a tearjerker as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to your film. I'm very, very happy with this choice. This is a film that you told me to watch. And I watched mm-hmm. it on your recommendation, and I loved it. It's so Dungeons and Dragons good. fucking so ruled. Good. What made it such, such for you? Such a good movie. So it's it's one of those things that obviously, if you're not into D anD D, you can be a little bit hesitant, and I think fairly so with sort of the reputation surrounding D anD D and D anD D movies. You know, I think a lot of people were probably expecting there to be like a cutaway gag to it being a bunch of people playing the game around the table and stuff like that, which, yeah, that kind of sucks sometimes. But no, this is set in the world of D&D. This is set in Faerun. This is set in that area, like the Sword Coast, all of that stuff. They make references to D&D lore, all of this fun stuff the whole time, and it feels really damn good. It is a fun movie. It's just silly enough in all of the right ways that I, I don't feel like any one joke particularly overstays its welcome. Like the paladin, who was clearly meant to be sort of like a DM PC for a bit, was great. And when he leaves, he just walks entirely straight. I just perfect. That was just perfect. Such a good little touch. I, I've never played D&D, but I, I love hearing my friends who play D&D talk about this film because there are so many little Easter eggs like you just mentioned that are laid in mm. there for, for hardcore fans, but for people like me, plebs, it's really accessible. And it, oh, massively. it's also really proud of what it is. I think some um, films or ad- adaptations of, of, of games, uh, whether that's board games or video games or whatever, can be a little bit ashamed of what they are. And they poke too much fun oh, yeah. at themselves. And it's like, as a fan, it's like, well, you're kind of poking fun at me as well. That's, mm. that's not necessary. With this, it's like, no, we're D&D. D&D has a proud story history. The people who play it are fantastic. Let's fucking go. Let's have fun yeah. with it. And it's one of the very few, like, adventure romp films. The last yeah, one I can yeah. think of is, like, a- another film adaptation that was kind of wore its heart and its sleeve a little bit was Jumanji. It reminds me of Jumanji. Mm. It's just a fun... The cast is incredible. Chris Pine is a king. Oh, absolutely amazing. It just all works so well. Do you think we'll get a sequel? I hope so. I, I reckon so. Um, 
given the the cast and the finale and the way that all sort of wraps up, plus the fact that we had Baldur's Gate 3 be the biggest game of the year in many ways, I think it would be a massive misstep of from Wizards of the Coast to not give us a sequel. Set three, four years later, have the young girl be a little bit more grown up, have her be a, like a rogue-ish kind of character. She's the one that gets in and does all the stealing and everyone else is sort of the party surround, like supporting her. And that would be a really fun story with that. It's, I think there's a lot of potential. I, I, I like that you brought up Baldur's Gate because, yeah, it's been a massive year for D&D. I would really mm. like if, if they make a sequel. I mean, the, the people who made the film clearly don't mind a cameo. They had the Auntie Donna boys in the film. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> super mixed out. You couldn't tell it was them. But I would love they got some of the cast from Baldur's Gate, like such an incredible voice acting crew. Get a few of them oh just in the background as, as characters because the people who know will know and will mm. love it. So that, that would be Absolutely. in Incredible, and that's something to look forward to. But speaking of looking forward to things, Simon Evans, is there a game slash movie slash show maybe that oh, you're looking forward see, to coming out next year? I have no idea what's coming out next year so far as movies are concerned, uh, nor really like shows. Like, I'm so out of the loop on that front at the moment. Um, although probably my biggest thing at the moment that I'm looking forward to, if possible, hopefully next, like this coming year, Hollow Knight Silk Song, for the oh, love yes. of God. If not that, then Mina the Hollower, or I'm not sure what the release date estimation for Hades 2 is, or anything like that. But I believe those... Hades 2 is, is is slated for next year, but I mean, we'll see if that happens. A uh, Silk yeah. Song was slated to come out years ago, so yeah. I'm so convinced it doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Simon, on a, on a more a personal scale, 2023, like I said, it's been a big year, big year of growth. But what has been your biggest achievement of 2023? Um, see, I don't know if there is a single individual achievement for me. However, um, one thing I'm very proud of is my raid team for Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, we completed all of the raids now for the for the whole expansion. We are done, um, which I'm very happy with. But then, on a much more personal note. I've started DMing Hells yeah. um, for d and am I am now a DM, and uh, largely because of the Dungeons & Dragons movie, Baldur's Gate 3, and I've also started watching Critical Role, and I was like, I really want to play d and I'm going to DM, and my group have been on board. They've been fucking fantastic to DM for. They're all amazing. I love them all dearly, and I am inspired enough to start writing my own campaign. So I've got the very... Very That's loose awesome. framework of that uh, sort of in motion now, but just sort of making notes and outlines and stuff like that for the time being. But I'm pretty happy with it. So uh, I'm very happy with, I guess, sort of I've had this creative outlet uh, here to me. And also, actually, on that note, uh, my YouTube video, my AMV, GMV uh, for Final Fantasy fourteen that I did, uh, I, I spent fucking like six months working on <laughs> I wasted so much time just trying to get every little bit perfect. And still, there are still points in it where I'm like, oh, that could be better. But as is the creator's dilemma. Yep. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, that is, that is so cool to hear. Um, especially how, like, the D&D uh, fire has been rekindled. That's really, oh, yeah. really cool. And I can see myself. Like I said, I've never played D&D, but I've always thought, I don't want to say I'd be good at it, but I think I'd be fucking great at it, to be honest. Uh, 
We could play online. We could uh, get that sorted. I mean, I'm, I'm keen. I'm going to start Baldur's Gate very soon. I need to finish Please do. Alan Wake and then Starfield and then uh, God of War Valhalla. But I will play Baldur's Gate <laughs> soon. It's on the list. And I, I've got a feeling when I, once I do, I will be very much sucked into that world. Oh, yeah. But we'll talk oh, about yeah. that. Maybe we'll talk about that a bit more next year. We've got to get you onto an episode of Love Letters. Maybe we talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe we talk about Baldur's Ooh. Gate. Who knows? Ooh. But Simon Evans... Thank you very much for joining us. And, Thank uh, you for having me. We'll catch you next year. Hello, hello, hello. It's Brendan White here from 8-Bit The Hungry Gamers and More Than Hentai. Here to tell you that my game of 2023 and quite possibly the last decade is Baldur's Gate 3 by Larian Studios. BG3 is special in every sense of the word. The scope, freedom of choice and quality of craftsmanship is unlike anything out there. 174 hours of cutscenes, 248 different actors involved in motion capture, a script of over 2 million words, all voiced mind you, and a world full of possibilities and memorable characters that stay with you long after you put the controller or keyboard down. Baldur's Gate 3 reinvents the term RPG and raises it to new heights, making this game an absolute must play. Much love and stay hungry. Hi, it's Peter Markick here, first time, long time, calling in from the football and films thread that's frequently referenced on this fine program which is also known as the Saudi Breakaway Supercoach League. Just wanted to let the world know that my show of the year was a thoughtful hilarious reality show that went by the name of Jury Duty. What an absolute banger, what an original concept executed to absolute perfection beginning to end. And next up we have a very special a guest, fresh off an episode where we spoke about Godzilla tongue-spanking King Kong. It's Kyron Morrison. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty I good. Knew, I know, because we literally just recorded a did. episode of Love Letters where we talk about Godzilla minus one. Uh, make sure you go check that out on Spotify and iTunes, because by the time this comes out, it's been out for probably a week. By the time we're recording it right now, it hasn't even been made properly. So... You know, some time dilation there. But speaking of time, 2023 has been a time. All right, how has 2023 been for you? It's been a weird year, um, but there's been lots of good distractions in 2023, I guess mm. is the way to look at it. Well, look, let's just dive right into it. Let's get right into the distractions. You've brought to us your game of the year and your television series of the year. What do you want to start with? Uh, look, my heart and soul is in video games, so like I'm, I'm ready to just like talk to you about that. <laughs> Let's jump into it. Alan Wake Two. Oh baby. <laughs> look, I'm not. Karen, you have the floor. Alan Wake Two. So I mean, I know Jesse, Jesse, you and I, especially, especially since Control, just been crawling up inside that remedy pocket and just living there, like just setting up shop, being like, I live here now. I'm in. Whatever Remedy's doing, whatever they're serving, yes. I'm eating. I'm I'm eating good. Uh, but it's something about Alan Wake 2, specifically, I mean, it was it went a bit viral since Alan Wake 2's release, but people were sharing around the video of Sam Lake from like 13 years ago when he was basically did a video to be like, look, we we couldn't secure funding for a sequel to Alan Wake. And you could see that he's just like gutted by it. You just Absolutely like, devastating. Yeah, you feel for Sam Lake. So now we flash forward to 13 years later, the sequel's out. It's doing. It's it's found his audience, and Sam Lake's just having a blast. He's I like seeing him. Like we, we there's a lot to say about how the game Wards was run, but seeing him on stage dancing to Herald of Darkness 
he has such a grin on his face. I'm like, fuck yeah, Sam. Like, I love you. Um, when the game was kind of first announced, well, not so much first announced, because everyone was pretty stoked on a sequel to Alan Wake. It was when they came out and said, hey, there's not going to be a physical edition of this game. My excitement for it went plummeted. I was like, oh, yeah, no, honestly, they don't same. have full faith in their game either. Um, obviously, I didn't quite understand the, the thinking behind it. It was quite a bit of a, a weird move, and I still think it's a bit of a weird move. But to go from that to having the great one of the greatest musical moments, one of the greatest moments at Game Award history is for Jeff to be like, hey, can we do your full weird we sing <laughs> song and dance number with a full band with the voice actors and with like a dancing crew? Can it be the moment of the Game Awards? And Sam, I want you to come out and dance as well. <sighs> what the fuck? The joy in that man's eyes. And what I loved, because like they, they play it so well because they're doing the song. They do like an abridged version of the song, and you're like, oh, this is great. Like Ilka's on stage dancing, Matthew Peretta's off side stage with um Oh, David Harewood, I think is Mr. Daw. I think you Mr. Daw, yeah. Yeah. And they're off doing like obviously because a lot of people I that um I mean I'm not a lot, a few people this was that moment of realizing that Matthew Peretta voiced Alan Wake. And I was like, oh yeah. Like Sam like just did that back in Alan Wake One. Because mm. I don't think I think Ilka didn't speak super good English. Obviously now he's much better. But like when that sequel happened, they're like, we're still doing it. That, that, that is Alan Wake. That's just how it is. And I was like, okay, this is great. I really hope they get Sam Lake up there at the end. And when it cuts to obviously the big closing number, they um like they did some camera work, so I didn't see him get up on stage. And then when he's fully revealed, just doing the dance, smiling, beaming, I'm like, oh Sam. And it's such Sam. like a it's a dance being done by people who aren't dancers, obviously. So it had big school assembly vibes. <laughs> and just the the joy in his eyes. And then there's also a moment where the song ends and they, they all turn around at the same moment and you just have Alan Wake and you have them oh. all, this is a silhouette, and it's this perfect, perfect image. I don't think anyone thought Alan Wake 2 could be, you know, a game of the year contender. Yeah. 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 I'm only halfway through. Um, I haven't finished it yet. I need to. It's so funny because it is it is honestly such a weird beast. And I can totally understand there, there's... A, there's you have to sort of, you have to be ready for the right sort of game, I feel, to, to enjoy Alan Wake 2. Because, again, one of the reasons I was immediately on board for this sequel was when they were like, hey, we're doing a sequel to Alan Wake 2 and it's going to be survival horror. I was like, you're doing it? Because I love Alan Wake 1, but it was definitely just like, oh, look, we're a bit spooky. Very Stephen Kingy, but like, we're still, we're not really full survival horror. Every couple of chapters, we're just going to take all your weapons off for you and you'll start fresh. I'm like, okay. All right, whatever. Still still a fun game, still a cool story. But when I heard this was going full survival horror, I was like, well, immediately just hook it into my veins. Like, I want to see Sam Lake and the Remedy team get spooky. It is one of the most unsettling games I've ever played. It's it's something special. And like, even in a weird way, Control did this despite not being a survival horror game. Like, if you, you anyone can scare me with a monster. I can look at a monster and be like, okay, that's scary. But if you can scare me with just like, normal places then yeah you've done it like if, if i can just be at a at a theme park and just be like i am deeply uncomfortable right now i was beaming when they mentioned that there was a place called coffee world i'm like oh that's gonna be joyous no i just <laughs> did coffee world it's not joyous uh you mentioned control one of my favorite games ever i'm so glad i played this game 
because you could see what they're making. They're, they're yeah. building something here. Yeah. And I've, I think in due course, Artie the Janitor will go down as one of the most iconic video game characters of all time. They so are. Good. He is. He's about to become fucking Thanos off the 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 Remedy Averse. He's cooking something. He's cooking something, and that that man can sing. I tell you what, he can. He really can. Beautiful wipes. I mean, it wasn't the only survival horror game to come out this year. Like we had like Resident Evil Four. Yeah. Uh, and and Dead Space. I was about to confuse Dead Space. What was the, what was the shit Dead Space that came out last year? Callisto Protocol. Oh, fuck that game. <laughs> what do you think? What would you be right to say if we're trying to sell Alan Wake 2 to other people? It's as close as you'll get to a mainline art house horror. I would say yes. There's a lot of times playing this game where, and again, it's not, not, not to be taken super literally, but like as I was playing it, I'm like, oh, this is what a modern, properly like cared for and developed Silent Hill game could be. Like, there is moments in this game where I'm like, oh man, I feel like I felt playing some of the old Silent Hill games. Just like, it's just psychological horror. That's great. I think a lot of um, horror games are horror with a bit of edginess to them. Yes. This is horror with a side of jazz. Yeah, baby. And you know why that speaks to me? Because I fucking love Twin Peaks and David Lynch. And I know Sam Lake does. So then, yeah, I'm always going to be on on the on the line for his stuff. <laughs> so well acted. You can play it however you want. The whole mind palace kind of thing. Where you so put well the done. cakes together. Which also yes. just serves really well if you want to recap stuff as well. And, like, then there's Alan's side. Like, using his writing to, like, change environments is just a cool idea. And, again, some, some parts that I was just like, I am, again... I'm a bit spooked out here. Like, I'm a bit spooked. I'm not sure if you've done much of Alan's side, but in the hotel, like, shit gets pretty real. God, the hotel is so good. Yeah. Uh, 2024, lock it in. We're doing Alan Wake 2 episode. I'll be there. talk about it in full. I need to talk about spoilers for this game. Yes. Make sure so you play it twice, because there is, there is the, uh, they did just drop the final draft new game plus mode. I was going to ask, have you noticed many differences? Cause I know they said there's going to be a few little tweaks. There's a, so there are some differences. There's a, there was a newish intro, but there was a really big scene. I just had with a character that I, again, I don't want to give anything away, but like speaks to the future of what they are potentially building overall with this, with this remedy verse. Okay. All right. I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Let's move on to um, a show. Your show of the year, a show that wrapped up this year. Yeah. Uh, and I binge watched earlier this year, and I'm very Honestly, excited. Honestly, Jesse, talk about it. I'm the same. <laughs> Accession slaps. It does. I watched it because of our good friend Brod, who has yes. exquisite taste in television. And that's the to be said. To, to me, Karen, you're the, you're the video game guy. If I need, if you're, you've never really steered me wrong. I'm not playing Final Fantasy, shut up. But you've never steered me Give wrong Give with video games. Okay. Brod is that TV. Yes, he is. Absolutely. So when he, he was, he'd been talking about succession over the years and I'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. There was, there was just a weird window this year where I was like, I've got nothing to watch. Succession is ending soon. Fuck it. I'll jump in. So I, yeah, I binged the whole series this year, but that last season in particular is obviously it was, it was new this year. So that's what I'm bringing as my show of the year. Oh, wow. um, it was a show that made me wonder if maybe I have a little bit too much empathy. <laughs> like I'm like, 
I, should I feel so sorry for these characters? <laughs> should I be seeing so much myself in these characters? Yeah. Uh, and the family drama's like, yeah, and I've, I've been there with less money involved, but yeah, I've been there. <laughs> but yeah, no, just some of them, just for some of the best performances I saw this year. I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't even watch much of the new shows that have come out this year. I'm a bit slow in that regard, but um, Succession just just blew me away with performances, with the writing. I just like story decisions they made in that last season that happened early on. One episode yeah. in particular, but just like I, again, I was shell shocked the entire time watching it. It kind of had the vibe of. Remember when Game of Thrones was good? Episode the episode nine was always like the whoa, yeah. like jaw dropping yeah. moment. Every episode, yeah, of the final season of Succession was that, and to have that sort of build up to the last episode, and for the last episode to work, for it to feel, for me to feel what I felt and still yeah. think about it every day, and for me to still unconditionally love Sarah Snook, yep, you know it's something special. <laughs> and yeah and just for again one particular char- one particular character who had like a a, a a noose hanging over his head the entire show and for that moment to, for to just all the veil like the curtain to fall there's like you see him for what he really is just be like oh just gee oh my god that yeah that final season was incredible and i haven't felt that invested in a show probably since i watched like the final season of mad men like that was just like wow, and yeah, I think it's had the the sharpest writing I've seen in a show. It took me a while to to watch it. The person who who really pushed me to watch it actually was Keelan. Oh, okay. And the moment uh he got me across the line was saying it's richer Arrested Development. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly and what it's it like, is. Okay, like, and he's right. Obviously, there's it's of course between Mad Men and Arrested Development. If you yeah. look like tonally. Yes. It works so well. Just the performances of um what is it, Jeremy Strong? Jeremy right. Strong, yeah. Jeremy. They call him Jeremy Renner. No, he's getting run over by um snow players. Uh Kieran Culkin. Oh, who, who plays the dad? Uh Brian Cox. Yeah, Brian Cox. Who I only knew from um Super Troopers. I'd only ever seen him in Super Troopers. <laughs> so seeing him in this as such a force of nature kind of character. Oh, just, Utterly, utterly brilliant. Uh, I, I think it could go down as one of my all-time. And I, and I know you wanted you shout out like Sarah Snook, but I also want to shout out Matthew McFadden. Oh, <laughs> just yeah. Some some of my all-time favorite, like just to quote like quoting a character on a TV show. Some of the stuff he says is just like actual gold. What is it? What did he say? Knuckle up, fucklehead. No, what is this? <laughs> something like that. I can't remember. There's, there's too many good ones. <laughs> Again, like, and this is from season two, but that episode where they all go do cocaine is yes one of my all-time favorite episodes <laughs> of television. So good. Oh, God. But it's been a good year for you, but what game slash movie slash show are you looking forward to next year? I'm actually very lucky, Jesse, because the game I'm most... It's a game. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to next year already. The calendar already feels like it's stacking up, but the game I desperately need is coming out in... Uh, under about two months now, and that is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, that game, I will be writing a check <laughs> to Square Enix for when they send me to therapy. I mentioned this in the in the dialogue options episode after we talked about the beautiful performance of the main theme. Um, I was like, yeah, now Square, you are about to do a lot of damage to me. 
and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to at least front up some money to pay for it because like it's gonna I'm gonna need some time. Yeah, I think uh, it's gonna be hard for me being the person who's not playing the game. I'm gonna feel like that the part in Simpsons at Home was the lesbian bar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you probably will. That's gonna be me for for a bit, but I genuinely stoked for all my friends who who love Final Fantasy because of what I've seen so far. I'm like, you're they they put fucking segways in the game. Come on, like, they did. They put segways in. It's on. hilarious. It's hilarious. Now, look, 2023, like you said, when it comes to the media that's been released, it's been a very, very good year, okay? Uh, but, you know, it, it can be more than just the media that's released. How has 2023 been for you? What's been your biggest achievement? What's made 2023 good? Oh, I mean, so like I said, 2023 has been a weird year. Like, it's been very much a uh, get through the year kind of year. Like, I felt like this was the first year since... I, w- I don't want to say that COVID's gone because, I mean, I fucking had COVID like two months ago. You just before packs. Take your mask <laughs> off, folks. If you're on a public transport, uh, rip that it's, mask it's, off. It's done. But like, done. it felt like the first year since Karen, all of that. Did you hear it was a pandemic? <laughs> oh, God. It's okay. Dictator, Dictator Dan's He's out. out. We got He's them. out. He's going to be a guest next very, week. I want to be very clear. I'm not being serious. I'm gonna <laughs> I want to be clear. I'm, I'm going to cut that. Don't do that. Don't do it. Uh, no, like it was a bit of a weird year. Um... I guess, like, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's a big accomplishment, but, like, obviously, Joel moved back local, so we were able to get dialogue options back to a more weekly schedule. And, I mean, honestly, the, the episodes are, the energy is way different when he's here doing it in person. So, I don't know. Chill year. I cruised through it for pretty much the entire time. But going back to a weekly, you know, roster for that show was something I was concerned about because I have less time than ever to play games as much as I love them, which is why... TV shows and movies sometimes take a massive backseat. So I was like, fuck, how am I going to do a video game podcast show weekly? When I'm like, what have you been, what have you been playing? Well, I spent two and a half months playing Zelda. <laughs> two, and a half, two and a half months playing Baldur's Gate. And so, uh, let's have a look at the news. Oh, no. Oh, it's all oh, bad. No. Jesus, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess making that work. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a, Weird year still. I, I took it easy for the most part. Oh, good. You're lock and loading for net for a big 2024. 2024 going to be massive. In <laughs> 2024, you are more than welcome to jump on many a Love Letters episode. I think I've already got you locked in for about seven episodes. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you for that. One a month, baby. <laughs> Karen, thank you for your help this year. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks Peace. for having me. Cheers. Bye. Hi, my name's Sophie. My film of the year is Netflix's Leo. I think that lizards are very underrepresented in films, particularly like children's films. So I thought it was really cool that we got a film about a lizard and you can never go wrong with Adam Sandler. And I think it had a really like sweet, heartful message to it. Uh, An honourable mention, my favourite show of the year was Netflix's live action One Piece. I've never watched the One Piece anime in full, uh, but I think the live action, like the casting was spot on. Uh, The special effects were good. The way they sort of got across all this lore and told you just what you needed to know was really well done. And yeah, I think it was the best show of the year.
Hi, my name's Rachel, and I'm from Jessie's Friends, I guess. I don't have a show. I just really, really love Doctor Who, which was my show of the year, even though it came in just at the end of the year, and it was only three specials. It was so good to have my boy RTD back at the reins. We had Doctor Donna. We had all of the brilliant stuff happening. And even though it was only for three specials, I know that this year and next year are going to be the peak of my Doctor Who love. So that is my show of the year. And next up, we have a very special guest. The internet describes her as a cannibalistic giant, a person who has been transformed into a monster by the consumption of human flesh. I know her as someone who plays hockey and likes animals. You may know her as a Wendigo. I call her Lauren. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. That was an amazing introduction, as always. Thank you. I didn't know these internet rumors were going on about me. I don't know. Look, what you shouldn't believe everything you read except for that because, look. It's true. And honestly, the word needs to get out there so people know what they're getting into. If anyone I know is going to be a cannibal, you're, I'm not going to say to you, but you're not not on the list. You wouldn't be surprised if like one day someone was like, oh, yeah, you know Lauren's a cannibal. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, oh. Okay, cool. yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I'll still talk to you. <laughs> So it will be fine. Thank you. That's good to know. Lauren, we're here to celebrate 2023, but how has your 2023 been? Woo! <laughs> um, it hasn't been the best year I've ever had. It started off real good and then it took a real sharp nosedive down, but it's still been good. There's been a lot of good memories, so I'm still pretty happy with it overall, I think. That's good. Well, I mean, look. Hopefully 2024 continues the good, like, consistently across. We hope so, yeah. That would that, be... You know, like, that's the good thing is when your year ends badly, like, you know, it's only up from here. So... It's only up. We're excited for 2024. Let's just say that. Warnings. Well, <laughs> as I've said, we are we're going to look back at 2023, and you brought to us a game that you've described as Animal Crossing cross with Stardew, but everyone's hot. It came out, look. This game came out early access in 2022, but Lauren, yes. for you, I'll, I'll bend the rules. Nobody else is getting this, okay? You remember that when you're eating people. You Thank remember you. how nice I was to you. Thank it came you. out in full access this year, only a few yes. months ago. The game's called Coral Island. What's Coral Island? Why is it so special? I am obsessed with this game. So I don't coin that term of um, Animal Crossing versus Stardew Valley uh, with hot people. I did read that in an article. I'm not taking mm. full credit for that, but... That I had read a lot of articles about this game before getting it, and that was one of the ones that definitely enticed me. And honestly, every time I play the game, I'm like, man, they could not have been more spot on. Um, so basically, it's your normal farming sim little game, much like Stardew Valley, um, but mixed with Animal Crossing. So there's farming, like you've got your own little farm and you do your little crops, and you've also got your farm animals. Um there's also diving in it. Um, so there's a whole underwater world. There's caverns, like same as Stardew. Um, and then the Animal Crossing element is um, the bug catching and the fishing. There's your town museum, which you fill up with all your catches. Um, and there's fossils and stuff too. And like the whole game is very similar to Stardew in which like the more things that you collect over time, and there's even the um, altar where you like, you put certain items into the altar and it like unlocks more locations to the island and stuff like that. Like it's exactly like the two games mixed, except it's 3D instead of like 
being like a pixel game or something like that. Um, the artwork is super cool. Um, there's so much to unlock in the game that I've been playing this game. Like I'm a year into the game time and I've been playing it like six hours a night every night and I haven't unlocked like barely anything. So I think like it's a good game because it doesn't get stale because you're constantly unlocking new storylines and like new sections of the island, which then brings like a whole new element of gameplay. Um, my favorite thing about it is it's truly the most wholesome game I've ever seen. There's like, um, there's a lot of NPCs, um, more than what I believe there is in Stardew. Like there's at least 50 NPCs and in romanceable characters, there's 21 choices, which is very high. Um, it's a game with a lot of like body diversity and stuff like that, which is really cool. Like, um, just even like just all the characters having like tattoos and stuff like that. And they all just have really cool stories and like stretch marks and things like that and broader bodies. Like it's just a really cool game. Dyed hair. Like there's a girl with green hair. So, you know, I'm going for her I'll green hair and tattoos. Like she, of course, the second I saw her, I was like, obviously that's the one I'm picking. Um, that there's also like, uh, you can have pets. So there's little dogs and stuff that walk around the town, um, dogs and cats. And like, when you click on them, they just say the cutest little things like patting him, uh, made him happy. And that makes you, that makes you happy. It's just like really little wholesome things all the time. And then you can also have pet foxes and a pet bearded dragon. Like it's great. Everything about it is wholesome and fun. What? Because I mean, obviously, you've played a lot of Stardew, which look, I'll mm-hmm. play one day. And you're an Animal Crossing fan. What is it about the cozy yes. games that gets you? Um, I think it's just like it's one of those games where you don't have to put too much attention into. Like, it's not draining your brain. I don't realize how much I like to relax <laughs> until I'm playing a relaxing game, and then like after hours, I'm like, damn, that was so just like comforting and. I mean, I like to consume media as in like audio and podcasts and stuff like that and YouTube of like really dark things. So, you know, it's really fun to just like have like last podcast on or something talking about really horrific subjects while I'm just here playing the most wholesome game in the world. Um, But yeah, it's just like the unwinding factor of it. Like I was having a stressful morning this morning and I literally was like, I can't wait to play this game because it's going to heal me. Like, it's just so relaxing. Like you can't have a bad time when you're playing it. It's just so wholesome. It just cheers you up. And it's like, it's so easy to play for hours because you don't have to put so much like mental energy into it. Playing a really like nice, wholesome game while listening to horrific podcast thumbs you up as a person so well. <laughs> so it really weird. does. It really does. That's how I get through life. It's amazing. Well, let's look forward at 2024, which I believe is next year. <laughs> Are there any games, shows, movies? What what's, what are you excited for? Yes. So um, there's a few that I have on my Steam wish list. And in regards to movies, like I'm sure that there are some good horror movies coming out. But to be honest, I'm not very up with it at the moment of what's coming out next year. Um, there are quite a few good little, like I really love like survival games and city builder games. And there are a few good ones coming out in the new year. But one game I did forget to mention um, is Crime Scene Cleaner. That is a game. doesn't actually what? have an official release date just yet. It just says 2024. So don't know exactly when in 2024. Jesse, I played the demo for this game and 
I know it's going to be my favorite game in the world. You have played House Flipper, right? No. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so it's this game called uh, Crimson Cleaner, and I recently got, like, there's, like, a demo, and it goes for over an hour. Like, it's a good length demo. Actually, I think it might have taken me two hours even, so it's a good length demo of a game. It is like House Flipper where you go to a scene and you have to clean it up. But it's so much cooler. It's like a literal crime scene that, like, say, well, the demo is, like, someone gets shot and then you got to go, uh, like, your buddy shoots someone and then you go clean up the scene for him and you, like, have to dispose of all the bodies and clean oh, up all the blood okay. and everything. Yeah, so you like, it's like House Flipper element where, like, there's literal trash you have to clean up and then you have to, like, mop the floors and stuff for the blood. But, like... And you have to put the furniture back to where it was. So it's like a house flipper element. But then you literally have to, like, pick up the dead bodies and, like, remove all the shotgun shells and stuff like that. Like, it's a great game, honestly. I can't wait for that. I love that. Like, I mentioned cozy games before. This <laughs> still is counted as a cozy game for you. It really is. Like, when I played this game, I was listening to last podcast and... I was like, wow, this is just, like, really calming while I'm listening to, like, something really dark. And then I'm just here cleaning this house. We're just going to pretend nothing happened in this house. And it took me hours. And when it, like, I think it actually ended up taking about two and a half hours because I just took a really long time. And um, after it was done, I was so bummed out. I was like, no, I could keep playing this for, like, six hours. It was relaxing. It was therapeutic. quite interested in this now. I'm not going to lie, like, it was good, and I will say, like, I know that sounds really boring to some people, like, a game where you clean, but it had, like, enough realism in it to kind of keep you interesting and, like, not be that boring, like, as in, you had to, like, find the water source of the house to fill up a bucket so that you could, like, wet the mop and stuff like that, and then, like, you're cleaning up blood, so then the water gets bloody, and if you keep going to use the same bucket, like, you're just spreading more blood around, so you have to, like, empty out the bucket. I know, right? So you have to, like, keep emptying out the buckets of the blood and, like, getting clean water and stuff. Like, I just think it's a cool game. Just remember to blotch it, don't wipe it, okay? That's how you, that's how you pick it all up. So that's, that's, your, next, that's right. your game for next year? Yes. It doesn't have an official release date, but um, it does say 2024. And also Arc 2, like, it doesn't – I know that it's in early access right now. Um, you can break the rules again, it's fine. Yeah, I just want to wait for, like, Arc 2 to be, like, properly released. Um, I because remember about Arc 2, is it Vin Diesel's in it? In some way? Oh my gosh, I actually completely forgot that until you said that. You're right, he is, and now I'm more intrigued. Um, yeah, no, I know a few people have been playing it, but, um, like, I know that it's in, like, you can play it, but we all know Arc, and we all know it's buggy on a good day, so... It's one of those games for me. And, like, Ark is a rage-inducing game. Um, Like, it's one of my favorite games, don't get me wrong. But, like, that's one of those games I want to wait for it to be as smoothly kinked out as it can be before I start it. Um, And to wrap things up, taking it away from the games and the movies and the shows, let's talk about Lauren. What has been your big achievement of the, this year? What's something you're going to look back and be like, hey, that was all right? Um, I think just hockey in general. Because um, when I started this year, I uh, ice hockey, by the way, not field hockey. The real um, hockey. <laughs> that's right. It's it's what I call just hockey. Hey, field um, hockey fans out there, 
fuck you. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, actually, when I started this year, I wasn't really loving it. And I ended up quitting in like April. And then only like two months later, I was like, no, okay, I do miss this. And then then became like obsessed and started to love it and started to like really dive into it a lot more and have progressed a lot since then. And yeah, now it's like my favorite thing and it has become like a huge part of my life. I mean, it already was like just the community and stuff, but now like it's my obsession. So um, like that and like just like my fitness like progression in general and just like a lot of self-growth in general, like mentally, I've like or I feel like only this year I started to learn to like set boundaries with people in any capacity of my life. Like even if it's something really minor, that's just like not a thing I ever did before this year. So yeah, I just feel like it's been a lot of self-growth. As somebody who's known you for a while, I, I even from the outside, I would agree with that. I think you've come leaps and bounds this year. Um, and also, Thank I you. mean, with a hockey, whenever you post a photo of yourself playing hockey, it's the happiest I've ever seen you. So, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I always am smiling when I'm playing hockey. I always just have way too much fun. Yeah, play hockey, guys. It's honestly the best. Well, thank you for jumping on, not just this episode, but you've been on some episodes this year already. And I am dragging you And they're iconic and memorable episodes, surely. Oh, 100%, 100%. But we'll do some more yeah. next year because I actually want to do a full deep dive into ARC because I've I've tried to play it oh. and it broke me a little bit, but it, it's also oh. really fun. So I want to talk about it. I would more. love to deep dive on ARC. You were so one happy. of my favorite you, games. You've got your hockey smile on now. <laughs> yeah, ARC, ARC brings that out in me. Thank you for all your help and support and all that this year. And Thank uh, you for having me, guys. We'll speak to you more next year. Yay! I'll see you guys then, 2024. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Hi, I'm Keelan from the distant past of Love Letters. My favourite thing from 2023 is the returning champion of food-based, anger-fueled reality television, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. After a nine-year absence, Ramsay has returned to the United States to critique ranked dishes finger raw chicken and shut down dysfunctional restaurants in the New York area. This show is my comfort food. And although the time frame and the format has shifted a little bit and the restaurant attendees are definitely in on the memes, this show still holds up. Highly recommend if you've enjoyed any of Ramsey's content in the past. Hi, I'm Alexi or Lek Dog, as you probably know me. You can follow me on Instagram at Alexi underscore does where I paint models and take photos of them. It's a good fun time. My movie of the year is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. A great portrayal of the world of Dungeons and Dragons. There was humor, there was action, there was adventure, very much a representation of what all Dungeons and Dragon players imagine in their heads when they play. Very serious in that it's a real world environment, in quotation marks, but it's also really sincere in the delivery of all of those tropes that we know and love. Huge, huge fan of the flick, and like all good D&D adventures, everyone who participated wants to see more. There's just no way another session's going to happen. Go Blues. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Yada, yada, yibbity, yibbity. That's all, folk. And next up, we have a very special guest. Actually, two very special guests. One hates chicken nuggets, one loves dinosaurs, but they both know this stuff when it comes to football. From 
The Falcon, a football podcast. We have Clarky and Chris. How are we doing? Hey, good to be yeah, here. Good. Thank you for having me. You guys are tired because we've just recorded a podcast. I, I did this yesterday <laughs> one. with Kyron as well. We recorded our little segment right after we did a Love Letters episode, and it's a lot. But <laughs> a, look, I'm still happy to be here. That's the main thing. You. I mean, you know what else has been a lot? 2023. Dang <laughs> been a bit straight. Much. How has your year, on a personal level, how has your year been? Yay or nay? I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in between. Uh, it's it's been an interesting year for me uh, professionally, uh, as it's been a full year of a new role that I'm in. Uh, but you know, you always have those ups and downs, and I think it's really good to have a year like this that you can take perspective and really identify the things that you want to build and the things that are important that you can continue to love and care for those around you. Oh, that was, that was that's, that's the most poignant thing I ever said in this podcast. What about you, Chris? Ah, yeah, my year's been a yay. It's been good. Um, yeah, started a new job, uh, which is going well. So, yeah, been good. Family's doing well. We've both got new jobs this year. We're killing it. And, yes, your family is doing yeah. well, which is very, very good to see. It always makes me very happy when you give us little, little updates. But we're here to talk about the, the media we have consumed as, as the vessels that we are. Uh, talk about TV shows, games, movies however you both come to me while i've dragged you in to discuss two tv shows chris i'm gonna throw you to you first because this is the show that i've watched you want to talk about the tensest fucking show i've seen in a long time you want to talk about the fucking bear yes it is a it's a panic attack across two seasons did you watch them both this year it's anxiety uh yes so i got on the bandwagon a little bit late i think it was just after season two got released um yeah i watched season one and really liked it i will say that i was a, a few episodes in and i feel like a few people have had similar thoughts that i've spoken to that they got a few episodes in they were kind of like okay this is good but i don't really understand the hype around it because it does have a lot of hype around the show um and then i think you just kind of you think okay i'll just stick with it and like finished the first season and got to the end of the first season. I was like, okay, that was really good. And then the second season just completely blew me away. And it was probably one of my favorite seasons of TV in history. It was, it was intense. It was, as I said, anxiety inducing. The thing that I love about the show most though, is that particularly in that second season, it makes you really care about the characters. Like, whether they're likable or not, you still care about them. Um, and it's it's like you're watching real people. You're you're rooting for these people. You're just like, I just want to see you succeed. And and yeah, the the final two minutes of season two without oh my any spoilers. God. Just, the, the, I think I tweeted after after I watched the final episode that the meme of SpongeBob sitting at the with the coffee cup and he's just kind of staring into space. And I was like, this is how I feel <laughs> after watching the last episode of The Bear. I was uh, I had to reevaluate my life. I I did the same thing as you this year. And I watched both both seasons, and I really liked the first season. It's a little bit. It feels like the stakes are a little bit lower, but it felt a little bit more personal, personable. Mm. Um, and then there's some major changes, and the first few episodes of season two I didn't love. I'm like, ah, it's maybe drifting a little bit too far away from what it was. 
But then there's a run of about three episodes, which I would define as near-perfect television. There's one yeah. episode that's very, very introspective, and I think it, it is one of those episodes of television you watch and you kind of appreciate what you have a bit more and what you want to become a bit more. Chris, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then there's the the Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever episode it is. And I haven't been as like edge of my seat since like Breaking Bad episodes of just like, what is going to happen next? It felt like watching Uncut Gems. It's so yeah. tense and so goddamn well acted. That um, is that is really the most to- tense episode of anything. And I think that the thing that really that is the big credit to it is the cast in that episode. You've you've got the cast of, of the bear. You've got Jeremy Allen White and and like some of the others that kind of uh, are more side characters as part of his family. But then you add in Jamie Lee Curtis, you add in Bob Odenkirk, like big names. And um, uh, what's the name? He plays the Punisher. I've completely blanked for the name. Oh, John John Patel, who's who's yeah. his brother. Yeah, yes. Um, like the the cast in that episode is insane, and it it's. Yeah, it is a hell of an episode. We could we could talk about that episode in isolation for a fair while. I may have to drag you onto an episode of Love Letters next year to talk about the bear, because I'd be very happy to do that. But, Clarky, moving on to you, you've picked a very unique choice that I admittedly haven't heard of. You've picked Queen Charlotte. What is Queen Charlotte and why was it important to you this year? So, Queen Charlotte is a spin-off of Bridgerton, uh, which is a Netflix special. So, it comes from... It's created by Shonda Rhimes, who is most popularly known for Grey's Anatomy. So it's kind of a show that sits in this kind of this drama, romance, a little bit of comedy sort of in there, but it's mostly dramatized kind of thing. So it's set in uh, the 18th century or an alternate version of the 18th century. So it's a, a little bit more multicultural, but still sort of does represent a high society that is evolving and changing uh, with people of different classes. So in Bridgerton, the the queen is uh, Queen Charlotte and she is in charge. Uh, she is an African-American woman and it's amazing. Like it's, it's a really strong, powerful character that has these really great moments. And there's a spinoff that deals with the relationship between her and the king, who you don't see a lot of in Bridgerton, but when you do, it's kind of shown that he is not quite right. There's something going on there, and uh, Queen Charlotte really covers that off. So it's a six-episode miniseries, really, that spun off of that. And it was something that I sat down and didn't really expect to love as much as I did. So, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in all these things that are, that are massive blockbusters, but I think the stuff that really sticks with you is the unexpected gems, right? Like, I, I haven't watched The Bear personally, but I know when I sit down to watch it, it's going to be a good show. Um, the Last of Us was a really good show. Like, we, we knew it was going to be like that. And Queen Charlotte was something that wasn't even on my radar. And it came through, and it's a, it's a really touching story that deals with a lot of different aspects of that between the two timelines of the... The modern, the modern being the Bridgerton sort of timeline where the current Queen Charlotte that you know is, and the past showing her meeting the king um, and what she goes through there. And there's there's a lot of little moments that really cover off because without giving too much away, because if you watch Bridgerton, you do know. But um, you know the king he he does have a, like a mental illness that's 
akin to like a, a kind of dementia. Um, I say that with the the softest of like lack of a better term, but he he has moments where he doesn't quite remember where he is or who he is and things like that. And that, that love story and that kind of showing that difficulty that it can be to deal with someone that you care for to lose parts of themselves. Um, it was, it was something that really like I, it, by the end of it, it was just, it finishes on this absolutely beautiful moment that had me in tears. And I think that's like I was saying earlier, there's, there's moments where you forget to think about the things that are, are beautiful in the world and the things that are so simple that bring you joy and happiness, which can be so hard to do. And to have a moment like that where you go, yeah, look, you know, this is a silly TV show. You know, it's it's not it's not real. It's written by somebody and it's designed to make me feel that kind of way. But, you know, it's it's important to have something that makes you take stock, you know, in a simple way. It's it's really fascinating. I think this year's a good year for for media that's come out that made people like genuinely sort of feel something for better or worse. <laughs> but like like we mentioned like Queen Charlotte Chris, you mentioned the bear there again there is that one episode that i i don't think i can watch again but i'm really glad i watched uh you know i i, I was doing a write-up for the last of us recently and um e- episode three of the last of us is absolutely beautiful there's so much really evocative uh media that's come out this year and I'm, I'm glad you both found something that kind of clicked with you with you both but Looking ahead to 2024, is there anything that's coming out in particular that's catching your eyes? Clark, yeah, i got a feeling there's a game that you may be slightly <laughs> interested in, maybe? Oh, I've been known to to dabble in Final Fantasy VII. Fucking and nerd. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth uh, launches on February 29th. Um, the Game Awards, they just uh, have passed and there's been a lot more information that's come out about it. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay as clean as possible because they're doing some stuff in there, but I'd probably say there's some honorable mentions for Furiosa, Furiosa is set to come next year. Uh, Inside Out 2, because I really did enjoy the first one. Haven't uh, seen the first one, for next year. but I saw the trailer of the it's, second one, and now I'm going to go back and watch the first one, because the trailer got me intrigued. Look, it's a pretty good, easy watch, right? Like, that's that's what you what you kind of need. So those are some things that are on my radar. Chris, what about yourself? Uh, mine was actually Inside Out 2. Um, so the first Chris. one... <laughs> the first only, one is only one person can look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh the the first one is one of my favorite animated movies. It's great. I always try and make my kids watch it. Um and yeah, I've been really excited ever since I heard that they were doing a second one. So yeah, I'm really keen to see that. And I mean, wrap, wrapping all things up, 2023, like I said, it's been a interesting year for, m- for many reasons. What's something that you're you're going to look back on this year and be proud of it, an achievement. Just something that happened that made this year a bit special for you guys. The Falcon of 40, 40 Podcast. What a plug, Christopher Lowry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. Jesse, you can remove the gun now. <laughs> There's only reason I brought you guys on. But yes, I mean, this year we we launched uh, our podcast. I mean, I've been doing podcasts for a bit. Clark, you've been doing them for a bit. But this is your first time hosting. You're absolutely yeah. killing it. And Chris... We've been saying we're going to do a podcast for a lot for a long time. We're finally doing it now, um, yeah, and we're all having a lot of lot of fun with it. So, listeners, if you like AFL, Australian the Australian Football League, and you want to hear some clowns goof around talking about it, we have some guests on at the moment. Um, 
give the Falcon a, a footy podcast um, a go. But look, even if you're not a footy fan, we only talk about footy about 20% of the time, to be fair. Um, so it, it, a footy podcast is, is a generous subtitle. Not to take away the tagline of another footy podcast, but I think we're a little bit football adjacent. So check it out. I think we've got, the best some, place to be, baby. we've got some interesting things coming up uh, next year. But Clarky, where can people find the Falcon? People can find the Falcon. We're at Falcon Footy Pod on everything. Twitter, Instagram. We've got a link tree out there as well. Uh, I would be remiss if, as well, I didn't mention that uh, the other football show that I host, the Footy Mailbag, if you are AFL fantasy or AFL super coach adjacent, uh, we are releasing episodes starting into the new year as this season comes forth at a rapid pace. And I'm also proud of that show. Uh, but yeah, you can find us at Falcon Footy Pod at everything, Footy Mailbag for all your super coach needs, though. So if you're into footy, go check them out. And if you're not, Check him out regardless because you love us. But Chris, Clarky, thank you so much for uh, for your help and support and everything this year and for jumping on to discuss your uh, some of your faves. No Thanks. Problem. Thanks for having us. It's um it was really daunting when uh, you and I were in discussions of what the Falcon was gonna be, uh, and being involved in running a show and uh, I'd like to publicly um Thank you Yay. for putting your putting your faith in me in doing something that I'm not entirely comfortable with, but you gave me the confidence to go, I just got to do it. And just having Chris along as well gives me a real good team of people who give me confidence every week to improve. You sort of ripped the band at us sometimes and you were, uh, you're both absolutely crushing it. So uh, let's keep doing it next year, eh? The footy season hasn't even started yet. Howdy, this is James Domingo from Taking Photos of My Favourite Sad Bands, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, my favourite movie of 2023 has got to be Godzilla Minus uh, One. My exposure to Godzilla prior to this movie was all the legendary Monsterverse movies, and this movie ma- really made me realise how good Godzilla movies can be. Godzilla itself was terrifying, the character was fleshed out so well, and just I never expected to be sad during a Godzilla movie. I never expected to be just terrified of this monster. It was an unreal movie. And it's kickstarted now going back to watch all of the other non-Monsterverse Godzilla movies over the holiday break. So it's going to keep me really busy. Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm Hayden and my game of the year is Lies of Pay. Soulsborne fans have been eating good this year with games such as Woilong, Lords of the Fallen, Remnant 2 and more, but for my money the best Soulsborne game of the year and probably the best non-FromSurf game ever in this genre is Lies of P. Lies of P managed to capture that same melancholy feeling as the best From Software titles and boasted excellent world building, intricate level design, an impressive array of enemies with distinct movesets and of course some amazing bosses. And on top of this, it even managed to include some additional features that improved on the FromSoft formula, such as the weapon crafting system and the ability to regenerate your last health pot through combat that led to some really tense moments. Uh, the ending teased a sequel, or at the very least some uh, additional story DLC, so I'm really keen to see what the creators of this game do next. And next up, we have a very special guest. The ultimate gig buddy, the hype man, and a lover of the weird-tasting beers. It's the globetrodden, headshotten, Mr. John McDonald. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, thank you. I don't, don't want don't to step on anyone's toes, uh, Mr. Andy Cortez. Um, Nitro Rifle, don't want to don't step on anyone's toes there, but He's hey, I'll here. take it. He's not here, hey, is he? That's true. Very true. But you're here, and you're here to talk about 2023. How has your 2023 been? It's been an interesting year. Um, uh, I moved back to my hometown 
uh, with like the intent of sort of setting up shop here and and sort of permanently becoming a resident of of, of the old B town again. Um, so that's been crazy. Starting a new at a new job and and uh, lots of wild stuff happening. But um, yeah, it's been a bit of weird year. It, it feels like an interstitial year. So I think next year is going to really a lot of things are going to happen, making some moves. In regards to, to moving back to your hometown, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dox you and tell tell everyone where you are, but you've definitely settled into that area considering the fact that you are currently recording this podcast from the comfort of a camping chair. So you really are like kind of in the mold. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, look, I'm 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 making the most of the situation that I'm currently in. Um, I will say we're we're in the process of getting a home loan and trying to buy a house. Yeah, so buddy. Hopefully soon. Um, that'll be. Uh, uh, the the big goal for next year, I think. One of the big goals for next year is, is getting a house, and hopefully that'll be towards the start of the year. Yeah, I think you're going to have a pretty uh, busy 2024. You've got mm-hmm. a few things coming up, but like I said, we're here to talk about 2023, and you, we, you've brought us your game of the year and your TV show of the year. What do you want to start with? Um, Let's start with the TV show. TV show, there. this is one that I am so looking forward to doing a full Love Letters episode on. Because I binged it earlier this year and kind of think about it every few days. It's The Bear. Joel, yes. tell us about The Bear. Um, the Bear follows Kami, uh, who is a like world-class chef who um, has like devoted his life to being like the best of the best, basically. Um, and he's uh, basically, like due to certain events, he ends up back in his hometown um, running his brother's um, like, uh, like beef sandwich like shop. Like a deli. Yeah, it's like it's like a like a like a, like a Chicago like beef sandwich. Um, it's a specific sandwich. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but like, it's it, it involves lots of beef and like wetness and bread. I think it's like from what I can tell. It's the, um, the menu, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it. That's what you need. But, um, yeah, so it, and it's him sort of like going back and trying to get this place off the ground and, and having great ambitions and, and also sort of wrestling with his own, I guess, inner demons in a way. Um, and it's fucking fascinating. Like I just – I started watching it. I think I, I watched the first few episodes I think last year of season one and I was like, this is really good and some like things happened and then I just – I didn't get back to it. And this year I'd finished watching something else and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm like, I might go back to watch The Bear. And then like in the space of, I think, three weeks, um, caught up to date and, and and watched, I think I watched the finale of season two um, the week it aired. And it is so stressful yes. to watch uh, and entertaining. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll have you on the edge of your seat. Um, and it does some really, really really cool stuff with um with its storytelling um at particular points uh in season two um that are just like mind-blowing there's a flashback episode that is just yes. phenomenal um so depending on how i i stack this episode I, I have spoken briefly about um the bear with with chris and we were discussing that christmas and or thanksgiving episode i can't remember what the holiday was because you forget mm. what the holiday is pretty quickly it just becomes a, uh, you know, a fun family romp, mm-hmm. um, which gave me far too many flashbacks to my own family. But that is such a perfect. I mean, the the, the cast we could go on about for days, but such a perfect hour or so of television. 
mm-hmm. that makes you feel every conceivable emotion. Oh yeah, and it just, it's what the show can do. Like the character that well developed and well acted. I mean, Jeremy Allen White is a king, um, and I love how horny the internet's for him. It, uh, fuck the internet. I'm I'm horny as yes, fuck chef. for him. Like, ha- yes, chef. <laughs> like, um. Uh, I can't remember her name as well, but um, that plays uh, oh, is it I- Elon Mo- Moss Backrack? Uh, no, no, no. Who plays um the he's like partner in crime that he's been with oh, before. Um, Ao. Um, Ao. Yes. That's it. Yeah, uh, April from TMNT Mutant Mayhem. She's uh, April O'Neil in that. I was so which, happy when I found that out. What yeah, I- like I I was in the process of watching that when I think the first or second trailer for that movie came out, and I was like, oh. Oh, dope. Like, that's so good. Um, yeah, like, she's phenomenal as well in this. The cast is is insane. And then on top of that, you have these just buck-wild cameos in, in the, like, and I don't even want to say any just because, like, if you've never watched it, like, holy. There was one that I actually had spoiled mm. and had forgotten and still got surprised when it popped up in the episode in season two. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm going to spoil one. Because if you put Bob Odenkirk in something, I'm a very happy man. Fucking A. And the, yes. and the character he plays, oh, it needs to be watched. It needs to be seen. Yep, yep. It's it, it's an incredible show. Like, um, and also on top of that as well, like uh, on top of like amazing storytelling, incredible performances and cameos, uh, the soundtrack is awesome. Like the licensed music soundtrack is like flawless it's, in some aspects. There is a riff. That's just a motif throughout both season one and two. And when I heard it, you were the first person I thought about because I was like, we're going to be as hype as each other about this. This is great. And then they just tease going to that next kind of the the sort of the drop in the song. They tease it. It's It's Yeah, if you've ever heard me talk about music or anything like that, especially like, you know, like punk and and rock and things like that, um, I've mentioned on multiple occasions on different shows. And and, and if you know me in conversations, that is one of my favorite songs of all time. And like, yeah, you know it as soon as you you hear like one note of that riff and you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Um, And like you said, the way that they tease it out is just beautiful. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some absolute amazing, like needle drops in that show as well. And I, it, it, I honestly think it's become one of my new favorite TV shows of all time. Um, but I, it's, I, I'm just captivated. I cannot wait to see, even with season two being a little bit different in the fact that they split this, the, 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 the main core cast of characters up a little bit, but it's so like satisfying and cathartic when they come back together at the end. They sort of break um, it up to let them grow and then mm-hmm. bring them back as sort of different beast. Um, yeah. Kind of more developed in their character. And the, so the clash that happens and the tensions that happen are a lot, uh, part of the part, there's a lot more meat in the bone. Yeah. But we have something else to talk about. And we're going to be reaching right back to the start, 2023, a little known month named January. Probably the, the first big surprise in gaming for the year. Positive surprise. I put that in quotation marks. Well, yeah. Um, Hi-Fi Rush. Tell me about it. Look, Hi-Fi Rush, um, I will I will preface this by saying, is it my, my game of the year full stop? No, it's not. But do I think about this game at least two to three times a week, 
ever since I had finished playing it? Yes, I have. It's and also like I wanted to bring something else to the table because the other games that I've uh, I, I, I I would maybe put above them the, uh, this game on the list um, have already been covered. I think it's a I good choice say. because look, Love Letters is about the vibes. Okay, look, there are some games that may be more technically impressive and blah 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 blah, but like, some games just click and they don't have to be perfect. They just have to click, and the fact that the main character in Hi-Fi Rush Chai is you. Must really help with that fact. Yeah, uh, look, yeah, I, that, yeah, you sort of, yeah, yeah, that kind of hits the nail on the head a little bit. Um, yeah, so like, uh, hi, I mean, for starters, uh, Tango GameWorks, the creators of The Evil Within and The Evil Within Two, Bonkers. making the biggest like left turn pivot in, in their career and making a an action brawler rhythm game. Um, that alone is like okay, I'm I'm immediately interested. Um, on top of that, you add in like such a clear and defined like art style that is like immediately recognizable, um, and then characters and performances that, well, in terms of Chai, like you know, this is going to sound really weird saying this after you've just compared me to him. Um, when you start that game, you feel like he should be insufferable. Like yes. Yeah, like Chai feels like a character who you would just like, oh, this is going to get, this is going to wear thin real fast. But there's something about him, and I don't know whether it's the characters around him or the story they're telling or a combination of all these things. He just, it becomes so immediately likable. Um, he toes that line of like toxic yeah. positivity, but it's delivered with yes. such earnestness that it's like, okay, he, he the character isn't just putting it on so everyone loves him. That's just him. Yep. And because yep. it's so genuine and, and his moments are really, really heartfelt, you're like, you, you, you are constantly rooting for the guy. And I find myself in a lot of games yep. like with the protagonist because you're spending, you know, 20, 30 hours with them. There are parts where you fucking hate protagonists in games. Most games I have a part where I'm just like, I'm so sick of this person. Fuck off. I for rush never had yep. that. I was like, go try. Get him. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it, it's... Also, the, the the technical element of being able to make this sort of type of genre mashup of game um, and make it work so well. Like, rhythm games are notoriously, especially in now in the age of, like, um, like uh, LCD and HD TVs and things like that, like, input lag is such, like, a, 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 a critical thing that you need to nail. And I never really had any issues with that, with this game whatsoever. Um on top of the fact that it's, yeah, like it, it's an action, like an action fighting game, basically with these rhythm elements that just work hand in hand so well. Um, and what a soundtrack! Like when you start the game, I think that one of the first songs you hear in it is "Lonely Boy." Yeah, it's the very first song. Yeah, like you like you start tapping your foot to it, but then for me personally, the nine nail drop. I'm it, like, it, what yeah. are you kidding me? I, I mean, spoiler alert. Twice, yeah. <laughs> you get two of them. Um, it also introduced me to um, one of my favorite like new songs that I've introduced now, and I've completely blanked on the band's name. Um, but it's Whirring, um by if you let me just fact check here because I have the Hi Fi Rush soundtrack. The Joy Formidable, yeah. Um, that song is in like so good, and it just reminds me of the moment in the game that it occurs. And it's such an uplifting moment. It's 
for the people who know, it's like the the Advent Children or like the Avengers on your left moment, basically of Hi Fi Rush, um, and it's this uplifting song that just swells and swells and swells to this huge crescendo, um, and it's incredible. And on on top of all that as well, I need to go back through and play because I've listened to some of them on the soundtrack. They actually recorded basically like sound alikes for all the songs, like all the licensed music in the game. Um, and they sound like, like basically like, I guess like in, I mean this in the nicest possible way, but they sound like, like Kmart versions of what, of, of those original tracks that, uh, feature on the soundtrack. Um, and on those soundtracks, on those songs, a couple of them actually feature the game director, John Johannes as well. Um, yeah. and the soundtrack itself on Spotify has a bonus track that talks about how, and it's just John Johannes singing uh, about how we put a lot of work into this game and we put our hearts and souls into it and we really hope you like it that. because we had so much fun making it. And it just, I was like, this game is so fucking good. And for the fact that it was, it came literally out of nowhere and dropped the day it was announced. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it just, it, it is, it had so many things about its release and its format and its, like again, genre mashup that should not work and should not have worked, but everything has just worked and it's overwhelmingly positive, like uh, response to the game. Um, yeah. Well, like you mentioned, a few of the songs in the game and the game itself brought up to quite a crescendo. This segment has to build up to quite a crescendo. So I have two more questions to roll out to you. First one being about 2024. Uh, if you didn't, if you weren't aware, that will be next year. And there's going to be a bunch of games, movies, and TV shows coming out next year. Do any of them, have any of them caught your eye? Um, off the top of my head, I hadn't really, like, sort of uh, put a, a whole lot of thought into to this. But uh, one that's just popped up recently on my radar is a movie, actually. Um, the trailer for it just came out. It's a movie called If. Um, the John Krasinski film. Yeah, so written and directed by John Krasinski. It's got Ryan Reynolds in it, um, Steve Carell. Aqua- the cast list is insane. Like, it's so good um and the basic premise is like um this guy's imaginary friend comes back to him because all the children he was responsible for have grown up and he doesn't know what to do now and it seems like ryan reynolds character decides to create like a hotel for them um it seems like such a wild concept but the trailer is so like heartwarming and really hit me in the feels and they're using a Fucking um, all my friends, I think, from uh, LCD sound system as well. Nice. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's beautiful. Like the trailer is excellent. I'm actually really excited for this film. I um, love how basically every piece of media you've discussed in this little segment, it's been the music that's got you in. If I ever had to lure you into a van, which yeah, I'll try one day. I'm just gonna put some good music on the back of a van. You're gonna jump in. It, it, I mean, it'd be pretty easy for you. You just play whatever you're listening to, and I'll be like, "Ooh, hello!" I do have some band recommendations to give you after this. Uh, after this, but before we do that, before we move on to 2024, let's have a look back at 2023. And when you do that, Joel, what's the part that sticks out to you? What's an accomplishment? What's something you're proud of? What's something you uh, you will treasure about 2023? Um, I had some really big breakthroughs with stuff at work. Um. I, I work in childcare, so I had some really big breakthroughs with children that I just met this year because I'd moved to a new centre. And, um, yeah, so that, that's one of the ones that comes to my mind. 
uh, to the top of my mind. But I think the one I'm going to have to go with, which is a bit of a gimme, um, is that I'm going to have another kid in 2024 and that kind of happened this year. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like that sounds a bit weird to say that like I'm the most proud of like being getting down dirty or whatever, but like if you want to put it that way. <laughs> but we all yeah, know how, we all know vaguely how babies are made. I've read I've read look, books. Look, read between the lines or not even because it's I was pretty overt about that then. So. Hell yeah, buddy. If I give you a high five right now, I would. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But that, that that is absolutely um fantastic, man. Just considering how how glowingly you talked about your uh your son. I think adding another one to the packs and they were gonna be even happier, which is gonna be fantastic. Hopefully. 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 You'll listen back to this and be like, ah, fuck, two kids. Jesus Christ. What have I done? (laughs) (laughs) But we'll find out more about how that's going next year. We'll definitely be having you on many, many more episodes because I do want to talk about the Baron Fall. I do want to talk about Hi-Fi Russian Fall. So we'll uh, we'll grab you on then. But, I mean, look, I I will say one of my personal favorite things of the year is the fact that you and I have hung out more this year and it's been fantastic. It's one of my favorite things. So absolutely. thank you for all your support and help this year. And, uh, We'll catch you in 2024. Thanks for having me, and we'll see you there. Peace. Hey, my name's Bianca, and my favourite TV show of this year and every year for the last two decades and for the rest of my life and every other lifetime I will ever have is Doctor Who. This year was the 60th anniversary special, which, I mean, first of all, 60 years. How incredible is that to have been going for 60 years and still gaining new fans and still evolving and giving us new stories and aliens and planets and everything? So beautiful. We also got to see David Tennant and Catherine Tate come back, our Dr. Donna, um, and we got that storyline finished in the most beautiful, poignant, full cycle way that really parallels mental health and just what it means to be human and to be a fighter. We also got introduced to Shudi Gatwa, the first ever queer person of colour doctor, who is just incredible and I cannot wait to see what comes next. Hey guys, Damo here from The Footy Mailbag and Damo's Supercoach on YouTube. My TV series of the year is The Last of Us. It was really cool to see a game I love made into a TV series and it was an almost perfect adaption. Captured every feeling I had playing the game for the first time watching this series. And even though I knew the storyline, they expanded and syndicated everything perfectly and the exploration of things that was only touched on briefly in the game was so delicately done. Nick Offerman in episode 3, brilliant. Hands down, TV series of the year. And next up, we have a very special guest. He's a human TV guide, a Richmond Nuffy, and he's the daddy who became a daddy. It's Broderick Gordes. How you doing, buddy? Good, thank you, Jesse. How you doing? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. I think yeah, by the time this comes out, Christmas has... has has come and gone. How was your Christmas? Let's just guess. Um, good. Uh, lots of food. Um, lots of photos of baby around with presents and stuff. Not know- really knowing what's going on, but we're all enjoying it for this for some reason still. So that's good. Did you enjoy those gifts you did or did not get? Uh, no, they were all terrible. And everyone is on my naughty list for next year. Fuck them. Not enough. Gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How do you? This brief segment on a last episode of the year 
podcast is my gift to you. Oh, thanks. Just <laughs> just had to blow the dust off the uh, the old podcast mic, so uh, pull it out of the cupboard. So thanks for that. Merry Christmas! I, know, to make. I, I pulled you out of not <laughs> not necessarily out of retirement, but I've, I've definitely I've dragged you back into things. Mm, I've been able to comment. But let me look. I know you you enjoy talking about movies and television. You're one of the most enjoyable people to speak to about these topics. Oh, thank you. Um, but I know you enjoy it. So this platform really is my gift to you, and I'm just going to say. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's get into. We're here to talk about our uh, our favorite media of 2023, and you have chosen a TV show mm-hmm. that I'm so happy you picked because I think it is brilliant and most of all underrated. Yes, uh, I think a lot more people need to watch this. It's Australia's own noir comedy from the minds of the Cates. Yes, Deadlock. Yes, tell me about Deadlock. Deadlock was, it's one of those shows that like, so I'll put it this way. I, I, you know, hadn't doing, had, having had done, I can tell it's the end of the year, having had done hunting seasons and watched 200 seasons of television, whatever we did over that time, we didn't watch a whole lot of Australian stuff. And a couple of times we did, it was, some of it was good. Some of it was really not so good. I'm, I'm a bit of a harsh critic when it comes to Australian television. I don't know what it is. I think there is like, there's a closeness or familiarity or something that I find kind of cringy about a lot of Australian stuff. Um, the fact that we need to make it so ocker often, it needs to have such an Australian identity. Uh, maybe it's only because I'm Australian that it feels that way, but whatever reason, it's like it's a high bar to cross to make me like an Australian show. But the Cates, I've loved the Cates since the catering show. I remember... Um, I uh, was helping on a web series and the, I was pointed towards the catering show as like something that had successfully gotten some funding and done really well. Um, fell in love with Kate McCartney and Kate McLennan um, and basically followed them around ever since. And what's interesting about this for me with Deadlock is I didn't necessarily love the last thing they did. Love the catering show. Didn't love Get Kraken. I like I appreciated the ambition of it. I understood what they were trying to do, but didn't necessarily think the format was as enjoyable as say the catering show was they had a they have a podcast that they yes. ha- that sort of went away for three years and just came back recently and has also been in, like has been off the air for another two weeks i don't know what's happening there but anyway um and then amongst all that finally deadlock shows up which i didn't really know was a thing until the trailers were out the kates were associated and so i got excited to watch it and i'm so happy to be able to talk about an australian television show original television show that is fucking great and quite legitimately might be my favorite show of the year and it's been a good year for tv like i could have come on here and talk about succession season four which was at the start of the year it feels like an eternity ago um which was an amazing season of television and i could have talked about like doctor who and what it's done the last few weeks with the 60th anniversary but i really want to celebrate deadlock because it was so fucking funny and i was hanging on to waiting out every week for the latest episode and I genuinely got invested in the mystery of it and I think if you're into very adult um, language and a little bit of violence and dark humour but also goofy humour, like, there's so much to enjoy about Deadlock. I'm the same. I I really enjoyed... um the catering show and in the same way i i liked get cracking yeah. i felt like it was a, a little bit wonky but then i think it was mccartney tweeted out one day 
uh, a photo of her in ta- the middle of Tasmania, being like, oh, we're filming a new show. It's going to be like a noir mystery. I'm like, okay. They're, they're just going to go do more serious stuff. I'm probably mm. going to sort of distance myself from their work because that doesn't appeal to me too, that much. And then the trailer dropped. And I was like, hold up. Yeah. This seems a bit fun <laughs> and a bit intriguing. I watched that first episode and I was absolutely hooked. Um, you're right. A lot of Australian stuff is a little bit cringy because I think they try to force that whole like uh, kind of uh, bogany attitude, the Australian attitude, with really serious stuff. But they do it in a way that doesn't click because they this serious stuff very, feels very like Americanized. But with Deadlock, it's like this is goofy Australian bogan humor. But a very Australian sort of crime scene and area. I, I don't know. They've made them click in a way that I haven't seen anyone else make click. I think what I like about the setting, like being set in this small Tasmanian town that's sort of been slowly overrun by like queer women over time. And it's no longer the like the the laborers factory town or whatever. It's now become the like hippie hotspot and stuff. Feels very true. And like is something I've never seen commented on or like talked about before. I think often like an Australian show for me, it so often just hits the obvious things about like the Australian way of life or whatever. And this was like, this is very something that's really ripe for taking the piss out of, but also done in, with an affectionate way because obviously, yeah, the Maca- the Kates are going to, lean more towards that side of like the lefty leaning and the, the the very feminist sort of approach and yet still be able to make fun of that at the same time and like yeah it, it, so it felt real but also felt like it came from a place of love a lot of the time and it it had some biting commentary while also just being full of fucks and pisses and shits and like it's it's just the perfect sort of recipe i think it's the the, the best of what australian comedy can be while also being what being very authentically an Australian show, but not in an obvious way, in a new, fresh, like modern way that I fucking love. This is on Amazon, by the way, which means it can be seen internationally. And I've seen some really, really good reactions to it. I think Variety, um, maybe Vanity Fair wrote pieces about this show. And I, I highly encourage anyone um, who's got an Amazon account to go and check it out. It is, it is so good. <laughs> and just the chemistry between, um, Eddie and Dulcie. Yes. Is so good. Like it hits on every trope of a of a kind of a, a buddy cop, you know, story. But just it lands every single punch with those two. Absolutely. I, I love Eddie. And Eddie is so good. Like all I think my favorite comedies as well, as much as it's doing like the broad stroke silliness of like this hippie town, blah blah blah, whatever, right? It also is super character focused. So you understand who Dulcie is and and what what her drive is or what her sort of struggles are at home. And you care about that. And then Eddie shows up like a fucking, you know, a bull in a china shop. And that's funny, although I wasn't super in love with Eddie at first. I almost thought it was a little bit too broad. But then you within a couple of episodes you get to understand where she's coming from and what's driving this behavior and then that allows you to get inside her character and then you care about her and then you care about their relationship together and it's just like it's perfect character driven storytelling and then the comedy flows out of that as well because they are that odd couple which is what you want you know classic as you said buddy cops or situation like 
it's it's groundbreaking, but also completely like rooted in the standards that work in this sort of storytelling. And uh, yeah, it's again, I just think it's just like perfect from top to bottom. It's so well written and so well directed and like beautifully shot too. Oh, like, yes, it's the the gorgeous like Tasmanian coastal landscapes and. Oh, it's just, it's got, I really don't have very many criticisms of this show at all. I, I'd never want to go to Tasmania until I watch a show. I'm like, okay, this is, this looks stunning. This is beautiful country. It made me want to go further than just Hobart and like visiting Mona again for like the third time. You know what I mean? Like it makes me want to go explore a little bit more <laughs> of, of Tasmania. Yeah. Do you reckon we're going to get a uh, season two? I hope so. And I noticed that listening to... Um, what's what's the what's the name of the podcast called? Only wrong answers, wrong answers only, whatever it is. Um, they were talking about that they've been like scribbling notes on a whiteboard, which speaks of breaking a story, which suggests to me there's a very high chance they are writing a season two. And I would argue, I would guess that even if it wasn't with Amazon, though I think it will be, because um, I've heard no, I've heard nothing suggest that it's not coming. If that makes sense, that the ABC yeah. or someone would pick it up because it's just. It was too good quality for someone to ignore. I think Stan would get it or something. So I think we're I and think we're getting a season two. You can do with these two characters totally, and they even like set up like for a continuation of the story in a bit of a new setting, uh, maybe switching between a couple of locations, including Deadlock. Like you could you could absolutely there, there needs to be a season two. I think um, next year I'll I'll get you onto a, a proper full episode of Love Letters. So we can talk about Deadlock in its entirety. But speaking of next year. 2024 there's a lot of tv shows movies and video games coming out have any of them caught your eye what, what are you looking forward to there are there are, okay i could give you one of each how about that i am Done. movie wise looking forward to furiosa in a big way love mad max fury road there's not a lot of movies i can think of otherwise i don't know if anything comes off the top of your head maybe deadpool 3 or something like that i guess but um june 2 sure but i think um George Miller and Mad Max Fury Road was just so incredible and so, I don't know, just like invigorating from a film going perspective. I'm really hoping that he can back it up with Furiosa. Um, I think it's a hard, he's now set himself a really high bar, which makes it a little bit harder. And this will be compared so directly to Fury Road that I worry that it's, yeah. if it if it doesn't quite get there, it'll, it'll be criticized quite harshly for it. But all the same, still looking forward to that in a big way. Um, TV wise, I'm really looking forward to the new season of Doctor Who. Shudi Gatwa yeah. as the fifteenth Doctor is perfect casting. We won't see his first full episode until oh well, no, we have seen it now. This is coming up after Christmas, uh, after Boxing Day. But his introduction in the third sixtieth special was just confirmed that I had was right to be excited about him. And um, video game wise, definitely Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, there's not a lot of games that are like first day one stuff for me anymore, but Rebirth is going to be one of those games for sure. Speaking of um, birth, what's the big achievement you had this year? Um, I grew my beard out a little bit actually, and that was quite no. It looks good. <laughs> no, actually, I haven't done anything with it. It's it's been really, really, really neglected. Looks um, naturally good. Thank you. Had uh, I'm a dad now, so that's definitely been the big achievement Yay. this year. Is I've kept uh, helped to keep a little girl alive until at least six and a half months now. So that's pretty cool. Um, You've done well. Yeah, yeah. It's 
you want to get to that year, like one rotation around the sun and like go, okay, I think we, we think we might have got this figured out by now. But um, it has been tough. It's probably been tougher for Steph than for me, but it's definitely been tough. It has also been so rewarding. Um, and it's it's like, it feels like she arrived yesterday, but also feels like it's weird to remember a time we didn't have a baby in the house. We didn't have a kid. Um yeah, it's been awesome. I've really, really loved it. Um, um, it's it's scary to think how quickly it's going, actually. I'm looking forward to her just continuing to turn into a person. I'm also yep. scared about what happens as she becomes more independent and more mobile and stuff like that. But, no, it's it's been, yeah, the best. Um, and it makes me look forward to the next, like, honestly, the next the rest of my life, basically. Um, yeah, it's very, 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 very cool. If you're interested, not saying you, should, you need everybody needs to do it, but if you're interested, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Five stars. Five stars. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I think you've had a uh, a quite a, quite a good uh, 2023. I think I mean one of my favorite things about 2023 is you and I have spoken more and we've hung out a bit more. It's been good, and hopefully we can do that. Yeah, it's been super fun to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on today. Anytime, we'll. Uh, Catch a few more times next year, eh? Yeah, let's catch up in person sometime soon. We've been talking about it all year. I think we caught up very briefly at PAX and... Very briefly, like three, four minutes. Yeah, it was oh, really... No, we went for drinks. I'll we just did. Drunk. That's right, yeah. All right, we'll catch up before PAX next year. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm <but> saying. <laughs> pop that in your calendar. But, Brod, thank you so much for all your, all your help and jumping on the show and just be, being a good dude this year. Thank and, you, uh, Jesse. We'll speak soon. Congratulations on the podcast. You, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And I'm back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed those discussions on some of the uh, fantastic media releases this year with some of my good friends. I know I had a blast talking to every single one of them. Before we do roll into the awards, I do, do want to mention, I want to get on my little high horse a little bit. Uh, I think it needs to be mentioned that beyond the con- like the content we've consumed this year, it's been a really shit year for like creators and, and studios and developers and Everyone involved with making all of this stuff that we really enjoy. Uh, we've had you know, mass layoffs, especially in the gaming industry. We had the writer struck because of some really shitty deals are being forced upon them. Um, and again, more stories of like awful behavior from higher ups at studios. So, I mean, there's not. It, it can feel like we can't really do much, and it is tricky. But I think it's just it's a reminder to remember that there are actual people behind the things that we like to consume. Um, and just to remember that work when we're talking on online about certain media, um, I created this podcast because I was sort of sick of the whole like negative rhetoric about everything, like negativity being used for clout. I'm, I'm really over it. It's very tiring. It's very boring, uh, but it's also really, really damaging. So look, if there's something that gets released and you like it, maybe just shoot the people who made it a tweet and be like, hey good stuff i'm I'm sure that goes a much further way than tweeting you know bullshit at those uh properties that you you don't like um and also just be be smart about where your money goes like if you know a studio is doing some dodgy shit cough cough ai bullshit maybe they don't deserve your money look it's your money in the day but something to think about anyway i'm just gonna step off my soapbox now and get into our awards starting with our tv series of the year if i was better prepared i would have a little like musical sting there but i'm not so i'm just gonna roll to some honorable mentions uh because i had a lot of fun watching tv this year so some really really good shows um 
I mean, look, a special shout out for the Australian show Deadlock, which I've already spoken to. I uh, spoke with Broad about earlier in the episode. But then we've also got like Gen V, The Bear, Jury Judy, Pokemon Concierge, which I'm watching right now and I'm absolutely adoring. Uh, the first half of season two of Invincible, Fall in the House of Usher. Like, holy shit. That's going to stick with me for a while. But before we get to our winner, I also want to mention our, our runner-up. This is this is close. I've been arming and ahhing about this for, for weeks now. But I'm going to give the runner-up to season four of Succession. Just the culmination of the whole story. I binged all of Succession earlier this year. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to... I have a big episode planned uh, in a few weeks' time. Where we're going to dissect Succession all the seasons. It's going to be very, very fun. So I won't get into things too much here. Just... What a way to land one of the most well-acted, well-written shows I've ever watched. It's so, so good. Uh, edge of your seat, but you will laugh. I think Keelan was the one who first got me into the show by saying that it's very arrested development. And if you haven't watched Succession, hopefully that will uh, be the thing that gets you onto the show. Because, yeah, unlike some shows do f- um, fumble in the last season, Succession does not. It lands it. It's fantastic. However, the 2023 Love Letters TV show of the year has to go to The Last of Us. I was fucking nervous when they announced that this was going to be a thing. I wanted it to be good. On paper, it would be good. But to take a story that I'm so attached to and bring it over to TV, because despite what a lot of people think, converting something from a game to a movie or a TV show isn't, it's not a one for one thing. Like, there's such a loss of agency as, as, as a player in a game. Uh, you have to condense the story down. You can't do as much world building at times. I was really worried that this would suffer from all those things. It didn't, because what uh, uh, Craig and Neil did was basically said, look, let's kind of base it on the game. We're not remaking the game, we're basing it on the game. So we saw a lot of things expand upon in very very clever ways in, in beautiful ways i mean look i don't think i could mention the last of us without mentioning uh episode three nick offman and Mari bartlett in that episode absolutely like i couldn't i wouldn't have thought they would have done that it was so kind of left the field but it lands and look it pissed some people off but fuck those people i think this is a absolutely 10 out of 10 episode uh, and the highlight off of a fantastic series, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, their performance is absolutely top notch. The action sequences, the whoever did the set design, the makeup team, those clickers were fucked. It was so good, and I'm very very excited to see what they do with season two, knowing what I know. So, uh, congratulations to The Last of Us. And now let's move on to the Love Letters movie of the year, 2023. Look, it's been one of my favorite years of film. I think I've gone to the cinema uh, the most I ever have in a year this year. Because it's been so much that has appealed to me. Uh, going to go with my special mentions again. Uh, Oppenheimer, what a moment. that was. The whole Barbenheimer thing. I'll get to Barbie in a moment. But that whole weekend was an absolute blast. And the build up to that was really, really fun. 
Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, Part 2 coming out uh, 2024, of course. So hopefully that uh, wraps up the story very, very well. D&D, I'm not a D&D fan, but I really enjoyed the film. Don Wick 4, absolute badass. That Hotline Miami infused scene is just the best. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. I think that's the sleeper hit of the year. I really enjoyed it. What a badass soundtrack. The Boy and the Heron. Uh, and two films I've seen in the last like two weeks that I want to give special mention to. Uh, Poor Things and Salt Burn. Uh, hashtag Boy Dinner. These two films absolutely rule. Saltburn has some of the best performances I've seen for a while in it. Uh, and the just the cinematography is breathtaking. I think it, it, it's on streaming, so I highly recommend watching it. There are some scenes that are a lot. I found them funny. Uh, but <laughs> yes, just go watch it. It's, it's an experience. And speaking of experience, poor things. Holy shit. Give Emma Stone every award there is and invent new ones to give to her. It is her film. Like, you know how every like, good actor has like the film? This is Emma's. So funny. Such a funny, funny, yet dark and compelling film. I've been thinking about it every single day since I watched it. So please just see poor things. But let's move on to the runner-up for the Love Letters movie of the year. And I mentioned it before, of course, it is Barbie. What a fun film this was. I mean, I've never really been a Barbie fan. When they announced this, I was like, what What do you mean you're going to make this into a film? What do you mean, Greta? But they nailed it. Uh, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, absolutely some of the best chemistry I've seen in a in a film. They are so much fun together. Especially, look, Ryan Gosling has been riding the Ken train so well. Please do yourself a favor and uh, jump on YouTube. Find the Christmas version of um i'm just ken that he sings um with mark ronson it's a lot of fun and margot robbie is barbie what a perfect bit of casting um really really smart film just glorious set pieces genuine comedy um but also a really important and poignant message Uh, i think it's definitely a movie you don't want to sleep on and if you, if you have watched it or you're curious about it please go back and listen to the episode i did with um cassie daly a few months ago you can find on our socials, I guess, uh, where we discussed the film in, in, in a bit more length. And I think she can actually speak on the film a, a little bit better than I can, to be fair. But a film that I can speak about, and our winner of the 2023 Love Letters movie of the year is Godzilla Minus One. Holy fucking shit. What a film. What an absolute film. Didn't expect it to be anywhere near as good i didn't even know it was coming out this year to be honest it just came out of nowhere people started going on and on about it took ages to find an actual cinema that was playing it in melbourne but we eventually saw it and i'm a big fan of monster films but this has redefined what a monster film can be it's terrifying the godzilla in this movie is terrifying uh the monster verse the legendary monster verse films we've had in the last few years uh it's a very very different Godzilla to what you've seen there it's not yeah hero slash anti-hero it's a villain it's a force of nature it is just hatred personified in doing that though um Takashi Yamazaki the director has really put his all into the human story which is often the weakest part of not just Godzilla films but any monster film and the human story in this film will probably bring tears to your eyes. It is a really touching and devastating story about 
kind of pride and the horrors of, of war as the old Godzilla films were, but also just like of, of, of hope and, and also mateship. This, the boat crew in this film, the boys, I'll just tell you that. Uh, I'm really hoping they continue in this direction of, of Godzilla films, obviously the Japanese films. I know it's not linked to the uh, the previous Godzilla film, which I've just I've completely blanked the name of, but I'm hoping they can kind of continue in that more serious vein as we get the sort of the goofier stuff from Legendary. But Godzilla, minus one, perfect. What a perfect film. And now it's time to move on to the award that we've all been waiting for because despite the fact that we've moved into the realm of TV shows and movie coverage for Love Letters, we're a video game podcast at heart, come on. And and it has been probably the greatest year of games ever. So without further ado, let's discuss the Love Letters Game of the Year 2023 with a few honourable mentions, and there is some honour in these mentions Hi-Fi Rush came out of nowhere in January, blew me away, what a soundtrack. Resident Evil 4, how do you remake one of my all-time favorite games and make it better? Uh, Jedi Survivor continues Cal's Cal story, I'm really intrigued to see where that goes. Mario Wonder, Spider-Man 2, Baldur's Gate 3, I haven't even played Baldur's Gate 3, but I'm putting it on the list because I know how good it is. Um, the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, you know it's a good year when a Zelda game is in the honorable mentions. Dead Space, Final Fantasy 16, Street Fighter 6, Armored Core, I loved Armored Core this year, but our runner-up for the 2023 Love Letters Game of the Year, the game I finished only a few days ago, and it blown me away, it's Alan Wake 2. Sam Lake, you son of a bitch. How have you done this? This game is a miracle. So much of it shouldn't work, especially I, I tried playing Alan Wake 1 and I couldn't get into it. But after uh, a few friends, namely Kyron, bullied me into starting Alan Wake 2, I was hooked from the from the get-go. Magnificent performances. I absolutely love the the characters, yeah, Saga and Alan. It's so well-written. There's so much mystery and intrigue and there's so many nods to... One of my favorite games of all time, Control, uh, the wider Remedy verse, if you if you will, uh, little nods to to the some of the uh, some of the events of Control, uh, and a certain character Artie, who I think I honestly think once they're done telling this massive story that I feel like we're only just scratching the surface on, Artie's going to go down as one of the most notable video game characters of all time. I adore Artie, so he's so well written. Uh, well acted and his dialogue is just a very very good time and speaking of good times i think my video moment of the year has to go to a little uh, a little chapter in the game called we sing if you've played the game you know exactly what i'm talking about if you watch the game awards you may know what i'm talking about there's a scene uh, involving um the band old gods of asgard absolutely ripping it up and you play through it and it's if you thought the ashtray maze and control was bonkers this takes it up to 11. It's incredible. And if you haven't played it, it may give context to uh, probably the most fun thing I've seen at the, the Game Awards ever, which was having the Old Gods of Asgard perform it live with dancers, with Sam Lake having a little boogie. 
Very, very good time. Very, very good game. But there can only be one winner, and the well-deserved winner. It is. This is a game that I've thought about every single day since I've played it. It's a small game. I didn't expect it to be to really sink its hooks into me this much. The Love Letters Game of the Year 2023 goes to, of course, Dredge. I speak about this game probably on every podcast we do because it just appealed to me in such a visceral way. I, it, it just scratched a part of my lizard brain that I, I can't really describe what it is. Look, it's a small team, Black Salt Games, the small team from New Zealand, and what they've created here is such a tight gameplay loop with such a well-crafted story. There's no voiceover work in it. It's just all, all written dialogue. And it gives just enough space in between the bits of information it gives you that you start crafting the story yourself a little bit. And in doing so, you become so entrenched in what is happening in this in this world, you can't sort of look away. On top of that, the, the gameplay loop is just absolutely buttery smooth. It, you can play in small little bite. It's super rewarding. It's super satisfying when you, you solve a puzzle or you you know you go out and you actually catch a, a bunch of fish and you manage to get manage to get back just in time. You manage to brave the night and you get back to, to the to the dock and you're able to sell all your stuff. It's such a nice little boost, a little serotonin hit. But it, it it's that story and the soundtrack and the artwork. It it's everything. This it's a, a perfect storm of a game for me. Um and it weirdly enough, such a cozy game, despite the actual themes it explores, I found it very much a sit on the couch, under a blanket, play some dredge sort of thing. Um, and for that, it's 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 definitely my game of the year. I really enjoyed it. If you want to listen to me um, gush about this game more, we did speak with uh, one of the brains behind the game, Joel Mason, a few weeks ago. So go check out that episode. Um, and to the team at Black Soul Games, I have actually, actually made a trophy, like a physical Thing. It's a big old block of wood and resin and and, and love. Uh, but I will be mailing that through. Uh, go check it out. It, it, there'll be pictures of it on the socials. Um, it was a bit of fun to make. But please, enjoy. If you haven't played Dredge, please go do it. That game of the year is an absolute blast. And with that, we wrap up the Love Letter Awards 2023. Unfortunately, being released in 2024 because I got lazy, aka I was playing Alan Wake 2. Uh, I hope your favorite movies and shows and games got represented. Maybe they won. Uh, if they did, good. If they didn't, tweet at me. Tell me to play your games. Tell me to enjoy them more. Um, I love to hear about all the media that you guys are consuming and enjoying because it uh, gives me something to do and play and watch, which is great. And with that, we wrap up the 2023 Love Letters Awards. Of course, releasing in 2024 because I got lazy and decided to play Alan Wake 2 too much. But I hope you had some fun listening. I hope your favorite movies and shows and games were represented. Maybe they won. I put had an absolute blast talking to everyone. So thank you so much to everyone who was on this episode, uh, everyone who chipped in their little clips, everyone who's been on a full episode this year. Um, it's been kind of cool relaunching this show as kind of a standalone thing the support's been really really good and uh 
been helpful because it is kind of tricky running a podcast by yourself. It's a lot of a lot of work, so that definitely helps all the little little comments. So so thank you very much for the support. Uh, of course, you can go support us by you know, subscribing. We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on all the good podcasting platforms. So go in there, please give us a follow, please give us that five-star review. And most importantly, please tell your friends to have a listen. Um, that's the way this podcast is going to grow, is by getting more people. getting Get me inside of their ears. Let me crawl inside their little brains, and uh, maybe, they'll, maybe, maybe they'll like it. Who's to say? We're also on socials, at Love Letters Show on Instagram, and at Love Letters underscore letters pod on twitter who knows maybe 2024 i can finally get that username that i want you can also follow me on twitter and instagram and threads and all that shit at jesse spanner if you have a tv show or a movie or a game that you want to discuss on the show in 2024 look drop me a line i'm looking to expand the guest we have on i have some uh, quite interesting ideas maybe a few special months in 2024 I mean, with that being said, I'm going to take a few weeks off just to get that all planned and also to take a little bit of a break. Uh, but in that time, please go check out the other Story Mode podcast. We have the Dialogue Options podcast with Karen and Joel, who no doubt you've heard of if you've listened to some Love Letters episodes. Or, I mean, they were on this episode as well. Uh, they're talking about video games, all things video games, uh, a lot better than, than I do. So go check them out. And if you, by chance, are an AFL fan or a sports fan or just a fan of three chuckle fucks talking shit, go check out my new podcast, The Falcon, a footy podcast. Uh, we spoke to the boys earlier on in this episode, Chris and Clarky. Uh, we talk about AFL and we go off on tangents. So if that sounds like your, your bag, go check that out. But the little, I was going to say the last time in 2023, but no, again, I, I record this a little bit too late. So, oops. But thank you for all your support in 2023. Uh, go play some games. Go watch some movies. Go make a show. Let's mix it up in 2024. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Mwah. Award kissy.